Well, you know, we just completed our series from the book of Philippians called Live Strong. And of course, last week, Pastor Anthony shared with us a great word regarding generational blessings and how we're not just to receive the blessings from God, but we are to, it is our responsibility to pass those blessings on to future generations. And it was a great message. Thank you, Pastor Anthony. So as I was seeking direction on where to go this week, I began to think about all the great scriptures that we had covered in the book of Philippians. There were so many powerful truths within that series that we must learn to apply to our lives in order, as the title of our series suggested, to truly live strong. And then I realized something. When we live strong for Jesus, that will always translate into living victoriously for Jesus. Strength and victory walk hand in hand in our Christian journey. And when I say live victoriously for Jesus, I'm talking about not just knowing our identity as a follower of Jesus Christ, but walking soundly within that identity. I'm talking about standing firm in our beliefs and in our convictions and not allowing forces within our culture to influence either of those. I'm talking about growing deeper in our faith each and every day and becoming more like the one whom we follow, Jesus. That's really one of the main purposes of the church to disciple people into strong followers of Jesus Christ. Because whether you are a new believer or whether you are a veteran of the faith, we all need to grow in our understanding and knowledge of the Lord. We need to live victoriously in Christ Jesus in this day and age in which we live. Because to simply maintain the status quo, folks, that's not gonna cut it anymore. We must be on an ongoing upward incline as we continue to learn and to understand and to apply God's word, his written word, into how we live our lives. So this morning, I want to talk about an element of your Christian walk that provides you with not just victory in living, but also endurance. Because here's the deal. God didn't create you to, to start strong and then kind of fade away or fizzle out. He knows that life is not a sprint. Anybody who's lived any length of time knows that life is a marathon. And his desire is that each and every one of us would, would finish strong. Jesus said that he came to give you life, not just life, but, a, but abundant life. And in that, he has provided you and I with everything we need to not only maintain our Christian walk, but to, to do it in a victorious way. I want you to turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter five. That is where our main scripture reference is going to be this morning, but there's gonna be a whole lot of scriptures to follow, uh, and you won't have time to turn to them, but everything will be up on the screen behind me, and you can follow along. And again, if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along even on this opening one. It's Galatians chapter 5. We are going to be reading verses 16 through 17. This morning, I'll be reading from the New King James edition. Galatians 5, 16 through 17. The scriptures say, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. You see, God has given us a priceless and treasured gift in the Holy Spirit. And truthfully, apart from Holy Spirit, we simply cannot lead godly lives. Because without him, no one can have a genuinely fruitful Christian walk. But you know, as important as the Holy Spirit is, I'm not sure that everyone understands the role the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. As Pentecostals, we certainly believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, but I think we often tend to think of, of the Holy Spirit in terms of the gifts 
and the manifestations of the Spirit, such as speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy and words of knowledge and the discerning of, of the spirits and, and, and the like. And of course, we also believe in the, the fruit of the Spirit as found in Galatians chapter five, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and, and uh, goodness and self-control. I got those out of order. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are all Christ-like characteristics that are continually being developed within each one of us as we follow and as we mature in our relationship with Christ. But I think a natural tendency for many is for us to overlook the internal daily benefits that the Holy Spirit provides us. They are substantial and equally essential to living a victorious life. Because the Holy Spirit provides us with strength and power and wisdom and discernment and boldness and confidence. The Holy Spirit teaches us and anoints us and convicts us and yes, restrains us. He also brings us freedom and liberty, among many other things. So as men and women of God, we must learn to embrace and literally live our life in the Spirit every single day. And so today, I wanna show you how through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can build endurance for the race ahead and indeed walk victoriously in your Christian journey every single day. But I wanna first talk about the existence of the Holy Spirit, who he is. Genesis 1, 1 and 2 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we know that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, has always existed. In 1 John 5, 7, it says, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, which of course we know to be Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. So we also know that the Holy Spirit is part of the triune Godhead, or what is referred to as the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So understand the Holy Spirit shouldn't be referred to as a, an it, but as a he, because the Holy Spirit is not an, an impersonal force, but a person. And you'll see that the Holy Spirit is mentioned numerous times on numerous occasions in the Old Testament. But while fulfilling his ministry here on this earth, Jesus began to speak more and more about this helper, about this comforter, the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, God had no intention of sending Jesus to come into this world, to die on the cross, to be sacrificed for the sin of mankind, to resurrect three days later, therefore defeating sin, death, and the grave without leaving us with a helper, a source of power, the very Spirit of God that provides us with the ability to live victoriously each and every day. In fact, here is some of what Jesus said regarding the Holy Spirit, John 14, 26. He said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things I said to you. John 15, 26. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, Jesus said. John 16, seven through 13. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you 
of things to come. So based upon these red letter words spoken by Jesus himself, he clearly articulates what the Holy Spirit will do in our lives. First, he would teach us and remind us of what we have learned. This means that the Holy Spirit brings to your and my recollection truth from his word. We just had a membership class. I was telling the, the, the people in the class that sometimes when God opens one of those doors and you, you start sharing your faith with people, stuff comes out that you didn't know was in you. It's stuff maybe you've read once or twice and you've never memorized it, but the Holy Spirit brings to your remembrance those words and you speak them out. It's a beautiful thing. Number two, he would testify about Jesus rather than himself. In other words, the Holy Spirit draws people to Christ. Number three, he convicts, convicts us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Number four, he will tell us of things to come. Number five, the Holy Spirit glorifies Christ. John 16, 14, Jesus said, the, he, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Number six, tells us that the Holy Spirit dwells in every believer. Romans 8, 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Number seven, the Holy Spirit assures us that we are children of God. Romans 8, 15 through 16 says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the, the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And in Romans 8, 14, it said, says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, those are sons of God. Number eight, the Holy Spirit gives us power, especially power for evangelism. In Acts 1, 8, it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And number nine, it tells us that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Romans 8, 26 says, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. These are all awesome benefits that the Holy Spirit provides to every believer. But what I really wanna get into today is exactly what our part is in all of this, just how do we utilize this gift that God has given us? Because I honestly believe that there is a major disconnect in the life of many believers whereby we say we freely accept this gift and yet we doubt or never fully trust in or don't understand how we utilize this power that the Holy Spirit has given to us. So I wanna go back to the beginning of Galatians 6, 16, where it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit. I am confident that you have heard that term before, but it's really much more than just a term. It's a state of being, or should I say it is really a way of life whereby your daily life is, is guided, it is directed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. What I mean is that your everyday moments, your everyday actions are influenced and guided by the Holy Spirit. And the significance of this is monumental. Because who here doesn't need guidance and direction? I know I do. And who here doesn't need strength at times to live the right kind of life? God has given us this tremendous gift, the Holy Spirit, to help us in our daily walk with him. You see, there is this ongoing battle that occurs every day as we fight against our fleshly desires. It is what the Bible refers to as the lust of the flesh. Now understand something, when it says lust, it's not just referencing a sexual kind of lust, because the truth is, our flesh lusts for a whole lot of things, doesn't it? And, and it's a daily battle. And therefore, 
To walk in the spirit is where you and I need to be each and every day. Let's go back to our scripture reference in Galatians 5, 16 through 17. I'm gonna read this again. I say then, walk in the spirit. There are those words. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So as we look at this scripture that says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, there's a lingering question that is dying to be asked. Why do so many Christians get tripped up struggling with reoccurring or habitual sin? Why do some fall back into their old patterns of life? I mean, the Bible tells us that when we receive Christ, we become a new creation. And yet many people fall back into their old ways. Obviously, it is through this daily struggle with the flesh, the lust of the flesh. But instead of being led by the spirit, sadly, it is often our flesh that wins out. And it is our flesh that directs our thinking and our daily actions. Now, this is not because the flesh is more powerful than the spirit. It is because we don't recognize or utilize the power of the Holy Spirit. Many believers still walk around saddled by their fleshly desires and, and, and have yet to learn what walking in the spirit actually looks like. So to help you to better understand what I'm trying to convey to you this morning, let's just spend a moment of time talking about this battle. This battle that goes on every day that rages in the hearts of mankind. It is, it is the flesh versus the spirit. It is, it's a real life, authentic scenario of good versus evil. It is Christ versus Satan. It is righteousness versus carnality. And the two are diametrically opposed to one another. And as that scripture said, they are contrary to one another. So a person walking in the flesh lives by feeding and nurturing their fleshly carnal desires. And here's why. It's because your flesh, ladies and gentlemen, is the most self-absorbed part of your very being. Your flesh wants to be entertained and it always desires attention and stimulation. Your flesh wants to be satisfied first and foremost and it takes a back seat to absolutely no one or no thing. Your flesh never wants to be denied and it knows absolutely no discipline. Your flesh never considers any consequences that may arise from its sinful actions. It lives for today, and it lives only to fulfill its lusts and desires. And unfortunately, many people come to a point in their life where they have fed their flesh to such a degree and for so long that the flesh is now in control. The flesh is in the driver's seat of your car and it is taking directions from no one, including your conscience. And yes, it can even tune out the convictions and the leadings of the Holy Spirit. So let's just call it for what it is. The flesh is strong, but only because we've allowed it to become strong. And so therefore, many are daily walking in the flesh and not in the spirit as the word tells us to do. Now, when God saved me and delivered me from some pretty messy stuff in my life, I needed daily help in my Christian journey. I had heard before about this term, walking in the spirit, but I never really understood what it meant. I didn't. I had an image of some monk walking around chanting prayers all day long, being so spiritually minded that he was of absolutely no earthly good. I wanted no part of that. How many of you know the things you conjure up in your mind out of ignorance are never right? Well, as I began to, to seek more of God in my life, and I turned my life completely over to him, 
My hunger and my thirst for God and his righteousness grew, and it led me to understand and to begin to live my life by walking in the Spirit. And it has allowed me to deny my fleshly desires and to live victoriously as a child of God. And let me tell you, there was a whole lot of fleshly desires going on to deny. You see, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the precious Holy Spirit now resides in you. That's why the Word of God says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't ever forget that. And the byproduct of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life is the fruit of the Spirit, as is mentioned in Galatians 5, and 23. This is what it actually says. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now you gotta understand something. This fruit doesn't just happen. You don't just wake up the day after you ask Jesus into your life and all of a sudden you possess all of these qualities. It grows like everything else. The Holy Spirit has planted these seeds within you, but your responsibility is to feed, it is to nurture, it is to cultivate your spirit in order to see that this fruit grows. The fruit of the Spirit is the manifestation of the believer's character. It is the divine nature of Christ working within you. And here's something else for you to consider. When God created mankind, he provided us with the ability to make our own decisions. We often refer to it as free will. He allows us to either accept him or reject him. The Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus, but ultimately we decide whether we will give him lordship over our lives or not. Well, likewise, this, this same free will exists when it comes to our level of commitment to Jesus. Do you wanna just get by knowing that you have salvation, or, you, or do you desire to grow deeper, stronger, more consistently victorious in your faith? This is where the rubber hits the road, ladies and gentlemen. Quite simply, the depth and the intimacy of your relationship with Christ will be determined by your ability to daily walk in the Spirit and to deny your flesh. Because the, the power of the Holy Spirit in your and my life, as well as the fruit of the Spirit manifested within, can only be limited by you and I. And it will, it will always be based upon how familiar you are with the things of the Spirit and that you, in fact, are recognizing the voice of the Holy Spirit. But most importantly, you must respond to the Holy Spirit. This is why you must continually nurture the, the spirit man that's deep inside of you. You've got to understand that the Holy Spirit will not prevent you from getting angry but he will remind you that it is wrong before you lash out and want to take somebody's head off. You ever been there? The Holy Spirit will not arrest you from acting out in sin, but he will convict you of that sin before you even embark upon it. But you will not respond to the Holy Spirit's reminding or conviction if you're not familiar with him or his voice. So the man or the woman who walks in the Spirit, they simply hear the warnings of the Holy Spirit and they respond accordingly. They do not grieve the Holy Spirit, as the Bible says, by tuning him out. Then they utilize the power that the Holy Spirit provides them to overcome temptation and to say, nope, I'm going to walk away from this situation before I act out in sin. The person who walks in the Spirit hears the voice of the Spirit, and he honors and he reacts or she reacts positively to it. They flee from sin. The Bible says to flee from sin. Don't entertain it a minute longer. Don't engage your thought process. You flee sin. You shut down all forms of temptation, lust, anger, greed, you name it, before the flesh man inside has an opportunity to grab a hold of that. You know how we're supposed to hold our thoughts captive? Well, guess what? The flesh man does the same thing. He'll hold your thoughts captive, but not the right thoughts, 
the sinful thoughts. I want to read you a scripture that's vitally important to this case I'm trying to make today. It's in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That's the spirit man I'm talking about. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to his power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever, amen. I wanna focus on verse 20 where it says, according to his power that is at work within us because those words tell a story. And the story that I'm hearing is that his power working in my life may be greater or lesser than his power that is working in your life. What I'm trying to convey to you is this, the degree to which the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit is present and active in your life will be determined by your openness to the Holy Spirit. It will be determined by you allowing the Holy Spirit to, to continue to do a refining and a defining work within you. And there, there is a key verse found in Romans regarding this. Romans 8, 5, and 7. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. And then if you jump down to Romans 8, 12 through 14, it says this, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. These scriptures clearly establish what our part is in all of this. What are you setting your mind upon? In your daily existence, are you setting your mind upon things of the flesh or the things of the spirit? Most importantly, which are you feeding? Are you feeding your spirit man or are you feeding your flesh man? You see, as a Christian, if you aren't feeding your spirit man inside, your flesh man will be in the driver's seat taking control. Because here's the deal. Your decisions and ultimately your actions will be led by whichever one you are feeding the most. Because the one getting fed will inevitably grow stronger than the other. Can you understand what I'm trying to say to you this morning? As a pastor, I have counseled people on a variety of issues. And naturally, people open up about the things that they're struggling with. And what I find fascinating is the answer that I receive when I ask a simple question like, tell me about your relationship with Jesus. And you pretty much get the same answer. And you find out very quickly that, that many are investing absolutely no time at all in their daily relationship with Christ. There is no spirit feeding going on. Boom, it's, it's, it's exempt from it. There's none of it. In fact, as you start to ask them what a typical day looks like, many of the things that they do invest their time in are exceedingly detrimental to their Christian walk. There's another popular term I'm sure you've heard used before, you are what you eat. Of course, it references our diets. The same statement, however, clearly applies to our Christian walk. What are you feeding your spirit? What kind of things do you allow to enter your ear gate? What kind of imagery do you allow to go through your eye gate? What are you feeding your spirit in your mind gate? 
What do you mean, Pastor David? I mean, what kind of daily diet do you feed your spirit man inside? What kind of music do you listen to? Does it edify your spirit? Or does it bring negativity and, bring, and create a bad thought life? What kind of literature do you read? Does it edify your spirit? Or does it bring sinful thoughts into your mind? What kind of shows and movies do you watch? Does it edify your spirit? Or does it fill you with useless carnal ideas of lust? What are you engaging in on the internet? Does it edify your spirit? Or does it tempt you to cross lines that you know you shouldn't? You see, it amazes me what Christians think that they can regularly consume and it not negatively affect them. Many people act as if they are impervious to violently and sexually charged lyrics from the music that they listen to. They act as if, if the pornography or other sexually suggestive literature or images or movies that they consume has absolutely no effect on them. But we've all got to clearly understand that all of this stuff this garbage is feeding right into your spirit. It's feeding into your flesh, man. And you are making him stronger day after day by digesting this kind of garbage. And when you have a regular diet of this garbage, which I might add is all contrary to the written word of God, what do you think will be manifested daily in your life? Well, I'll tell you, you will, man you will manifest the very attitudes and beliefs and behaviors exhibited throughout these things that you consume. It's kind of like we think we can stand in the middle of a rainstorm and not get wet. It's like we, we think we can stand near an explosion and not get hit by the shrapnel. When what we really need to remember is everything we, speed our, we feed our spirit has an effect, either positive or negative. And so you must really pay attention to what you are feeding your spirit and make sure that it is the things of God, the things that build up your spirit man inside and helps to keep your flesh in check. The things that help you to not just hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, but give you first the want to and secondly, the strength to respond to the Holy Spirit's voice. What I'm trying to say to you today is, God has given us everything we need in order to not just endure this life, but for us to flourish in this life, to walk in victory and not be tripped up by all the same things over and over again, to keep our eyes focused upon Jesus and trusting him every day in everything, to not only wear the title of Christian, but to exhibit what it means daily out there in this lost and dying world, because God not only wants us to succeed, but he provides us with the ability for us to succeed, and not just for our well-being, but for the well-being of others, because strong, dedicated Christians are those who live the kind of life that is attractive to other people when they see how you're living it. And that's when doors regularly open for you to share his goodness with other people. And yet none of this would happen without the Holy Spirit. When I was a young adult pastor at Phoenix First Assembly, there was a question I would often ask that group. How bad do you want it? I was of course referring to a victorious Christian walk. And they understood and I believe you do too, that if you really want to succeed at something, you got to want it. You got to make an effort at it. If you desire a great marriage, then you've got to decide to make an effort to be a great husband or a great wife and quit re relying on your spouse to be that person. You've got to be that person. If you want to succeed in your profession, you're gonna to have to make an effort to work harder and to set yourself apart from the rest of the pack. If you want a chiseled body, you're gonna to have to spend hours in the gym. You could probably tell I haven't been working on that one in my life. <laughs> if you wanna be a world-class athlete, then you're gonna to have to train like nobody's business. Well, the truth be known, if you wanna consistently 
walk in victory. If you want to fulfill the destiny that Christ Jesus has for you, you must walk in the spirit every single day of your life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is your very source of power and of strength, and you must actively nurture, and you must actively develop the fruit of the Spirit within you. You must learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and not just listen, but respond as he would have you respond. Any man or woman who learns to walk in the Spirit is one who understands what is required in order to succeed in this walk we call Christianity. So the next time you sit down and read the newspaper or read a book or surf the internet, ask yourself, have I spent any time with God today? It's easy to do, I know. Believe me when I tell you the content in God's word will build up the spirit man or spirit woman inside of you. The next time you're driving to work and you're listening to mind-numbing radio, morning radio, ask yourself, could I be listening to some worship music and praising God on my way to work instead of dreading the day ahead? Believe me, when you start your day with praise, it will set a pattern for the day ahead of you, and you will be God-focused instead of flesh-focused. The next time you sit down to watch a movie that you know has content in it that is not at all good for your spiritual journey, ask yourself, why do I need to watch this? What possible good can this do for me? Better yet, ask yourself, how is this feeding my spirit? Believe me, if you would instead take time to get alone with God in prayer, it would be the greatest time investment that you could ever make. And can I just say this has to be a daily decision to walk in the spirit? You can't leave here today all charged up and go walk in the spirit and then put it on the shelf for Monday through Friday and come back and do it on the weekend. It's got to be something you got to do every day. To do otherwise is just detrimental to your spiritual walk. Because the truth is, folks, within ourselves, we don't have what it takes to live a genuinely fruitful Christian life. We need the Holy Spirit's power. Let me go back to Romans 8, 6 through 8. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Galatians 5, 24 and 25, and those who are are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, God did not save you to see you struggle every day of your life. He didn't save you so that you would feel defeated. He saved you so that you could be more than a conqueror. He saved you so that you wouldn't just have life, but you would have an abundant life. And I want to encourage you today, if you are struggling in some area of personal weakness, if you are struggling with some kind of a habitual or reoccurring sin, if things from your past keep keep tripping you up, learn to walk in the Spirit. If you feel less than victorious in your Christian walk, then begin to feed your spirit man inside with the greater things of God. If you are experiencing doubt, then remove from your life those elements that are not at all edifying to your spirit. If you will learn to commune with the Holy Spirit every day, you will know what it means to walk in the spirit. And why is this essential? because it is the single most important element that God uses to make us a person who truly walks in victory. That's my desire. How about you? Scott, will you come forward and help me to close this down? I think there are people here today, let me just say, I know there are people here today who could use some power in their life. Power to overcome, power to say no, to the old ways of living, power to share your faith, power to simply be victorious. All of that is provided to us by Holy Spirit. 
And I want to open this altar today so that we can spend some time with God. Some of you, you have to pray for things that are going on in your life right now. You need to come down here and give it to the Lord. Some of you here, you need a physical healing. You are sick and you need a touch from God. Some of you need to rededicate your life to the Lord because you've wandered. Your faith has grown cold. Some of you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which will empower you like nothing else. How do I know this? Well, when the Apostle Peter was in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, when the power of the Holy Spirit came and washed over them like a mighty rushing of wind with flames of fire over their head, they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit that day. And Peter immediately went out and he preached a sermon of a lifetime that same moment. And through his newfound power, he led literally thousands to the Lord that day. So you too, and I too, need the power of God's Spirit. Some of you need to put your praise on. God has been so good to you. He's been so gracious to you. And you need to show your appreciation for his goodness. And you should come down and stand behind those who are praying at the altar and just raise your hands and praise him for how he's blessed you. There's some of you who need Jesus. You've heard of Jesus. You know who he is, but you don't know him as Lord and Savior. You can come down here and receive this free gift of salvation that only he offers. And it's very simple. The Bible says in order to receive salvation, you must believe and you must confess. You must believe that he is the son of God and that he came to this earth and he died on that cross and the blood that he shed was shed to atone, to cover, to wash away your sin. And you confess that in prayer to him. Jesus, I know you're the Lord of the world. I know you're the only way to God the Father. And today I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I'd like to ask a couple members of our prayer team, if you wouldn't mind just standing over by these exit doors on each side, if you would. And if you come forward and you would like for one of them to pray with you specifically, as you walk up, would you just go over and grab them? And they will be more than happy to pray with you. If not, you can sit there and pray by yourself down here at this altar. You can kneel here and you can also pray from your seat. There's nothing magical about an altar. I just feel like it's a, it's a sign of faith. And when you get up from your seat and you walk by your peers and say, yeah, I'm not too proud to say that I need God right now for whatever's going on in my life. I think that's half the battle. I think that cuts through all the mess and God knows that you're really serious about what it is that you need. But what I want to do is I just want to spend some time worshiping, praising, praying, seeking, and giving thanksgiving to God. As the worship team sings, feel free to come down. I'm going to come and lay hands on those who are down here, and then we will close this service in prayer.
above Oh God Yes God For Thou Oh Lord Art high Above all the earth Thou art exalted Far above all God With everything in this place And I exalt Thee continuing to pray at the altar. I'd like to lead you in a prayer so we can close this service so that the altar can stay as long as they would like. There's a very sweet spirit in this place right now. The spirit of God is moving in lives, touching hearts. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the blessed Spirit of God. Without your Spirit, Father, there is no hope for us. Thank you for the empowerment, for the knowledge, for all the gifts that you give us through your Spirit. It allows us to live lives of victory. And that should be every goal, that should be the goal of every person in this place, to not just live, but live victoriously in Christ Jesus. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you would do a work in each one of our hearts. We grow in our knowledge of God as we grow and manifest the fruit of the Spirit, God, that we will also manifest the gifts, the other gifts of the Spirit as well. And that we will hear your voice and we will respond. And when you tell us to go, we say where. And, and when you point us in a direction, we go in that direction and not another way. But most importantly, Lord, that when we face a, a, an intersection in our life where we know we can do what is right or what is wrong, that we will listen to the voice of the Spirit and we will always choose to do what is right. Thank you for that promise. Thank you for the power that we need to overcome any temptation, any struggle, any adversity that comes our way. Thank you for the heart of my church family. So many down here seeking you. Many who have served you for many, many years just saying, God, I want more of you in my life. I thank you for their hearts, Lord God. I pray that you would fill them anew in your spirit. You will refresh them this day. As we leave here, we will all leave here empowered 
going in love. So Father, as we go our separate ways today, I pray that you would guide us by your spirit. The places we go, the things we, we do, the conversations that we have, that those conversations would build up and not tear down. And that we would shine like bright lights in this very dark world. And that bright light would draw attention to you because it is the love of Christ shining through us. Father, open up doors, open up opportunities for us to share your goodness with others. And as we're obedient to that, walking through that door, Father, we know that you'll give us the words to speak. And so we thank you even ahead of time for the divine appointments that you're going to make for each one of us this week. And I pray, Father, till we meet together again, that you would keep us safe from accidents. You would keep us safe from sickness and disease to, so that we can all gather together again and worship you in spirit and in truth. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence in our lives and thank you for your profound presence in this place today. Continue to minister to us, stretch us, empower us, and grow us, we ask. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. God bless you.